The History Show with Kieran Doyle on West Cork FM. I'm always excited when I get a chance to go on a field trip, especially in the great weather we've had this summer. This week, Michael Hart, local farmer and historian, took me on a field trip to the ruins of Cahamore House and the cathedral in Roscarbury, where we learn about the Hungerford family, who occupied the big house in Cahamore, Roscarbury, till 1905. Michael explores the long history of the Hungerfords, who arrived with the Cromwellian invasion. We learn about some of the famous names in the family, such as Margaret Wolfe Hamilton, who was a highly successful writer in her time. And we go right up to the demise of the big house when it was burnt to the ground by the IRA in 1921. In this episode, you will feel you are with us walking through the fields and going into the buildings. Be prepared to travel back in time. So here I am now on a beautiful June day. It's looking nice, Michael. Tis Michael, I, I'm up here at your house in Hart's Farm. So, how did you get interested in the whole um, Carmore House and the history of the Hungerfords? How did you get interested in it? Well, it was my son, Fargal, when he was about 10. He came home from school one day and the teacher said to do local history of each town land for each pupil. They'd do their own town land. So we wrote off to the, where the Hungerfords went and we got back a bit lovely letter with information of the Hungerfords and where they, where they went mm-hmm. and... All that kind of stuff. So they started visiting us did after a bit. And we visited them out in Canada where they went. Wow, so you actually met the family? Oh, we did. We really? did. We did, yeah. They're lovely people, actually. That's fantastic. But uh, And all through just a, a school project and a letter over to Canada? Precisely. They sent us back a picture of the Carmore House before it was born in 1921. Yeah. The Hunkerfers left in 1905. Yes. When Roscabry Barracks was blown up. The military were going to come up to Carmore House. So the IRA at the time burned Carmore House to keep out the military. It wasn't because of the Hunkerfers they burned it, yes. but to keep the military out. Yeah, and that would have been typical at the time. And just for our listeners, Michael, we better not take it for granted that everybody knows where Carmore is. Just generally, where is Carmore sitting? It is two miles straight north of Roscarbury, under the Manway Road. And uh, the, the estate... Long ago, there was about 12,000 acres. It Hunkerford's owned all the land from Cahamore Cross right back up into Mowlatalavala, Glownbrock, Inchinetton, to where Stanley Shop is. They owned all the land from here up. And would it be the same Hunkerford's that are associated down there on Inchidani Island? They are, the very same Hunkerford's. The first Hunkerford we have of the Carmore and Inchidani people, they came with the Cromwellian army. They were Hunkerford's from Farley Castle in Bath. And obviously they were soldiers and they came with Cromwell. And the first fellow, uh, Thomas Hunkerford, he was married to um, Mary May. And he lived, he was a soldier in Ratbury, probably protecting Lord Cabry. So it, he died then. And the first, he's, he had two sons. One went to Chidani Island, Richard Hunkerford. And the second son, Thomas, came up here to Carmore in... 1680 and uh, lived on then in Cahamore that was six generations until 1905 and the last man died out then in 1905. That is fascinating. And when his wife, uh, when he died his wife went up the Cork 
till liv. Så det var det enda det hankade folk som kärde mig. Så det enda huset var barnen 1921 av det. Det var the military. Yes. So. so we're today, listeners, we're out on a field trip. I'm with a field trip now, Michael. We're, go, we're going to be heading off to this site of the, the Hungerfords and we're actually going out to the, their burial place. Yes. Where is that, Michael? In Church of Ireland Cemetery in Rascabry. So here we off we go, listeners. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, we're out in the glorious sunshine, Michael. It's getting better as the day is going on. Yeah. And you've, where have you brought me? Yeah, this is where the Hungerford family are buried. This is the Hungerford vault. And where is this outside of now, Michael? What are we saying? This is outside, outside the cathedral, the Protestant church. You're calling a cathedral? Why what is, is it? This cathedral? is a cathedral. Wow. Yeah, because it was originally a cathedral. It dates back. This church doesn't date back, but there was, an, as you see, the, the arch there. There was yeah. another church before this church. Yes, yes. And it was the Catholic cathedral oh, of yes, Rascabry. Of course, yeah, yeah. This was the main Catholic church, so it okay. was known as the cathedral. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But then this one was burned a few times and knocked a few times. Then this is the Protestant cathedral. This was burned by the Cromwellian soldiers because the Cromwellian soldiers were Puritans <laughs> and they disliked the Protestants. And for a lot of our listeners, they might find that strange why Cromwellian soldiers would be uh, burning or des- desecrating uh, pu- uh, Protestant churches. But it happened in Bantu, I believe, Michael. You're dead right. They weren't yeah. Puritan enough for them. Precisely. But it's, it's a beautiful looking um, church and I would recommend any of our viewers... Uh, our listeners to come up and view this this beautiful building. So you're sta- we're standing on the tombs of the Hungerfords yes. right outside the, the, the cathedral. Now the first the first Hungerford he was installed in he came with Cromwell. Mm-hmm. He was a Thomas Hungerford, and his wife was a Theresa May. I think she was a Cork City lady. So he was a soldier in Ratbury, probably protecting Lord Carberry. So when he died in 1680, he was buried here in Roscarbury in this vault. So now there has been six generations of the Carmore Hunkerfords buried here. Now, the most famous one of these people was a Margaret Wolfe Hamilton. She was married to Thomas, Hunk- Thomas Henry Hunkerford. And she was never accepted by the Hunkerford family because she was a widow woman when she married their son and she had three daughters. But she was from Meline. That's just next to the Hunkerford estate mm, in Carmore. Yes, yeah. So, she married the last Hunkerford lad, but they didn't stay too long in this area. They went over to Bandon and they rented a house called Overton House. Mm. Now, they called Overton House St. Brindis. They lived there for eight years and she died of typhoid fever. So, he was heartbroken. So, after her death, the Hunkerfords accepted her after her death. Oh, really? They allowed her to be buried in their vault. <laughs> but they never accepted her when she was alive. Off and away. How things haven't changed down the generations. Yes. So she's buried here. But after her burial the following year, Henry Hunkerford and his three children, Tom, Henry and Vera, and, and two girls of her previous marriage. She was already married to... Um, a Mr. Argles, a Dublin solicitor, and he died, and she came back to Cahamore, or what we call Meline, and then she met Henry Hunkerford, and she married him for the second second marriage, and she had three children in the second marriage, Tom, Henry, and Vera. Mm-hmm. So then when she died, he immigrated to Canada with his own three children and her two daughters. Ah, the Canadian connection, I see. Yes. Yeah. Mm. So that's the way it... Um, 
and for our listeners they don't have the the advantage of seeing this um, vault it stands out when you come in the church Michael yes. it's right next to this old arch which you That's said right. is part of the older church yes and it, it stands out uh, and it's next to Starkey's that's the tomb belong to the Starkey family of Burgesia okay okay very good the Starkey's were one generation was Catholic and next generation was Protestant they were in and out okay. different religions yeah, yeah. but this is the this is the hunk of our vault so we'll go into the church now we'll see the plaques now we're going in the entrance of the cathedral here so we're inside now michael what are we looking at here now these are plaques yes put up by the hunk of a family back through the now if it could be read they date back to a Walter Hunkerford, mm-hmm. who was the first speaker of the House of Commons in England. Wow. And that's his plaque. Mm. This is the first man then that came to Caharor. Mm-hmm. But this plaque here is to the glory of God and loving memory of Henry Jones Hunkerford of Caharor in the parish, who departed this life on the 20th of November 1905, aged 80 years. And that's the man, as you said, that's when, when the line ended really. Here, that's when the line ended, 1905. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. So we'll come down here now again. There's another plaque here to this. This is Thomas Hunkerford. Yes. Oh, yeah, this lad now was the eldest son. The eldest son of Thomas Hunkerford Carmore, who dep- He was only 18 years old when he died. And strangely enough, he had two brothers who died very young as well. No one knows why. But, you see, before the Hunkerfers came, the man that came, his parents were first cousins. Then the next man married, okay, he married a stranger. But the grandson married a first cousin again. And it could be quite possible that they were too closely related. But what amazes me, Michael, in here... Despite this church being for the parish, it seems to be a mausoleum just alone for the Hungerfords. They must have been very influential to have all these plaques up well, on the wall definitely. for them alone. That's a statue of Lark Carberry. Fantastic. Yeah, this now is a wife to Henry Jones Hungerford. Yes. Now, the reason he's called Henry Jones Hungerford, yeah. his mother was Eliza Jones from Drumbeg Landor. Yeah. So he was called Henry Jones. So now this is his wife. To the glory of God, loving memory, Mary Boom Hunkerford. She's the widow. widow of Henry Jones Hunkerford, Carmore, in a parish who departed life on the 8th of February 1924, mm-hmm. aged 87. But this lady was also brought back here to be buried. Ah. She was buried with her husband. That's her husband there, Henry Jones. And that's, the, that's his wife. She's also buried in the tomb. Fantastic. Now, that's of Lark Carberry. Now... If we look at these, the lady that turned it towards Margaret Wolfe, her father was Stannis Hamilton. He was a vicar corn of Roscarry Cathedral. Now, I think the vicar, oh yeah, the vicar corns are here. Hamilton here, there's a Hamilton. Oh, that's it, yeah. Yeah. 1842, he died. Stannis Hamilton was the vicar corn here in Roscarry. He was Fitzjohn Stannis Hamilton, B.A., resigned. There must be some dispute of some kind because he resigned his post as Vicar Corn. But he died in 1842. 
So, Michael, you're after bringing him into the actual cathedral now. We've kind of gone from the front section. This is, looks like some sort of baptismal font. That's the baptismal font. Beautiful marble with a wooden top on it. Fantastic. Yes, and tis in honour of Stannis Hamilton. Okay. He was the vicar called Margaret Wolf Hamilton's father. So that in honour. Up here now in the front, the timber panelling around behind the altar and around the altar is of tis dedicated in the memory of Margaret Wolf Hamilton. Yes. So we'll come up here now to the we'll see the plaque. The stained glass window is just magnificent. It is. It is. Now this panelling here, the timber around the, the altar, this panelling is erected to the glory of God and loving memory of Margaret Hunkerford, Arteress, by her husband and children. So no, tell me a little bit. You you, you said Arteress. She was she was a writer. Now, how she, big was she? Is she someone she, that we know? She was a very know? important writer in her day. Yeah. Well, she died nineteen. Or in, um, she died in eighteen ninety seven. Mm-hmm. But before that, she was writing her books. But she did all the writing nearly in Bandon, in oh. Overton House. She called Overton House in Brindis. Mm-hmm. It was there. She used to get up every morning. At about five o'clock, and she spent about three hours constantly writing. Mm. She wrote 50 books and all, and they were very famous in her day. So she was well known in her day. She would she have was. been a popular writer in her day. But she's on the internet if you want to press in Margaret Hamilton. Or Margaret. When she married Hunkerford, then she went under the name Margaret Hunkerford. Yeah. But so she's Hamilton, yeah. Tis, the, her full story is on the website. And in fact, you did an article on it, I believe. We did. Yeah. I did, I And did. where would people find that if they wanted to read a bit more of it? Well, Rascabry, past and present. Very good. Uh, the, books, the books are there, and you can, from our editor, Charlie Cochran, you'd get the book of, the full story of Margaret Wolf Hamilton's life story. And just over it then, you see, when she died in 1897, the following year, 1898, her husband and her Three children with Hunkerford and the two children she had with Argyles, they went to Canada. Mm-hmm. Her husband went to Canada. But his plaque is up here now. To the glory of God in memory of Thomas Henry Hunkerford, born the 8th of December 1858, died November 1906, Reno, Nevada, USA. Wow. He was travelling from Canada. Mm-hmm. You see, when he went to Canada, he went in the month of July, and the weather was lovely. Mm-hmm. But before the winter was over, it was a very harsh winter, July, August, September, October. And then when it came on to Christmas, it was all snow. Mm-hmm. Canada can be very cold of in the course, winter. Yeah. So he decided in the following year that he'd go down to Reno, Nevada, and a few years later. He spent a few years in Canada, and then he decided he'd sell that and go down to Reno and buy land. Mm-hmm. But on his way down on the train, he got no money and he died. And he's buried out in that place, Nevada, USA. And they still have uh, a plaque to his name over. Amazing. It says erected by his loving mother. So His mother was still alive. You see, she, yeah. she lived until 1920-something. Yes. And the mother put up that plaque there in memory yeah. of her son. Yeah. And of course, it continues the long tradition of the Hungerfords being remembered in this famous cathedral. That's right. They were they were they were associated with this cathedral for um, they were in Carmore for two hundred uh, uh, two hundred and twenty five years. Yeah, 
225 years wow. from the time the first man came until the last man was died in 1905. Mm -hmm. There were six generations and in a lot of land. And tell me, who's the local reverend here now? He's Chris, Reverend Chris Peters, a very nice, intelligent type of man. Like, he's no problem getting information or... Yeah, he's into history himself. He's into history himself, yeah. And even though we're on the, the, the track of the Hungerfords today, this church has a beautiful uh, array of architectural and archaeological finds. Uh, we're standing over a baptismal font. What's this font here, uh, Michael? Well, it is a baptismal font up in Chidane Church before it was dismantled. The church of the church of Inchidane was in good repair in in sixteen fifteen. It has been in ruins since sixteen forty two. Just around Cromwellian times. And of course uh, this font then was taken from, from the, the ruin of Inchidane and, and brought, brought here. over here wow. to, to preserve it. And again for listeners, uh, I mean it's it looks almost like a stone age bowl. It's 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 a heavy stone, isn't it, with the with the whole hollowed out in hollowed the middle. Out, yeah. yeah, fantastic. God, it's so heavy. And that would have been an original baptismal font. But Amazing. Inchidane Church go back it was in good repair in sixteen fifteen. Wow, That's a long time ago. Yeah, a long time ago. Sure. The Hunker first didn't come until sixteen forty nine. Yeah. So that's they came but as far as I know, there was other hunkerfers before them that we know nothing about. Because it says in the, in the literature that I have, the first fellow in that came to Castle Freak, he came in the train of his ancestors. Mm. So there must be some hunkerfers in the area before the Cromwellian time. Yeah. Probably maybe even the time when the, the Elizabethan settlements maybe could were be, abandoned. They, they might area. have come maybe in 1601, the time of the, kin, the Battle of Kinsale. Could be possibly, yeah. Now, again, uh, Michael, you're bringing me over to another corner. This looks uh, a cone shape. It looks like it's from a building. What is it, Michael? It's the, 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 the spiral that was on top of the steeple. Oh, yes. And a, a, a star monite blew down. So oh. you can see where can read it yes, and it's, it's uh, well, Michael, it's about 12 feet high, isn't it? It's it says, 12 feet high. It, uh, there's a little uh, sign next and it says, this was the top of the cathedral spire that was blown down in a storm in 1886. Yes. It was the Reverend Isaac Reeves, who was dean at the time, had it removed to Glandor House in his private residence. Glandor House eventually became a convent run by the Daughters of Sacred Heart, and when the community sold Glandor House in 1999, this section of spire was returned to the cathedral, huh, yeah. to its rightful place. Yeah. So that was the top of the steeple blown down. Wow. Seemingly came down through the roof. Okay, it's fantastic. They held on to it. Oh, it was. And it wasn't thrown it's out, you know. part of our history. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Wow. Really worth a visit to come to this church alone. A little bit. So I've just, we're just coming out of the church, Michael, and we've bumped into these two people. Who are you now? Frank de Gutt from the Netherlands. Yes, oh, come from the Netherlands. I'm oh. his wife. Oh, beautiful. And why are you going into this church? Oh, we are going to see a sightseeing. It's so nice. Oh, there was a church with a high tower and we went to it. And in fact, Michael, do you want to tell him it's more than a church? Where's well, the cathedral? It's a cathedral. Yeah. 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 cathedral. Yeah. 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 We did that Yeah. And where are the title from? You see, cathedral. You see, before the Reformation, 15, yeah. 1540, you see, this was a Catholic. Yeah. And Catholic community. Yeah. Yes. And this was Roscabry. This was the main cathedral here in Roscabry. It was the main Catholic church. But after the Reformation, yeah. it became a Church of Ireland, a Protestant church. Yes, yes. So yeah. it's, it still, it's still. Status. Well, it had cathedral status. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Before to take over. Oh, yes. So okay, it's known yes. as Roscabry Cathedral. Yeah, yeah. Ah, that's why. Right. Yeah. yeah. 
So we're driving up again, uh, Michael, up from uh, Roscar, we know, and we're, what's this cross that we've just we come just up to? We just have come to the Quaker's Cross. The Quaker's Cross got its name from William Penn. Yes. William Penn used to visit Castle Salem. He was driving his carriage from McCroom to Castle Salem, and one time the road got flooded, so he had to stop there with his horse and carriage. So he was a Quaker, William Penn was a Quaker, yeah. so they called the cross then after him. The Quakers Cross. Quakers Cross. So we're just on here now to Meline. Okay, fantastic. We'll pull in here now. Yeah. We're just on here now. These are the gates going to where Stannis Hamilton, Vicar Corn of Roscarry, lived. And these are the gates going to his house. There was a big house there in the field. Wow. So just for our listeners, yeah. uh, we, we've ta- uh, some of you might recognise these gates as you go through uh, the countryside in your own area. You know, they've got the lovely pillars, the, the, the unfortunately rusting with big gates. And sometimes behind these you'd often see the ruins or maybe existing um, big houses. But we're just looking to a blank field, Michael. Yes, Amazing. the whole thing was taken out. Uh, when I was young, always be a fox hunting, yeah. there was a fine ruin of a house there. It was very big. Yeah. But it was all overgrown with briars and scrub. So when the man bought it, the neighbouring farmer bought yes. it, he t- all that land down there, now there was 30 acres there, the whole lot was... With rhododendrons, rhododendrons, grown with rhododendrons, holly bushes, ivy bushes, every kind of a shrub was growing that 30 acres. And, and the big ruin of a house then was in the middle. And what house was that now? It was Meline. We Meline. Knew, always known, know, knew it as Meline. Okay. That's Hunkerford's land across the road now, that's okay. a part of the Hunkerford estate. Yes. But then when this 30 acres was sold the way back, I suppose, 50 years ago. Yeah the neighbouring farmer that bought it. He cleaned out all the scrub, including the ruin of the house, mm. and turned it into agricultural land. Yeah. Yeah, so a, that's the way it is known as Meline. And it's a beautiful green field now, yes. with no trace at all whatsoever, barred the, the beautiful gates. It was a part of the Carmore estate. Okay, okay. So it was there, Margaret Wolf Hamilton won, well, grew up, she was born there, mm-hmm. and she grew up there. So, we get out of the car now. So, wow, look at the gate. Mm -hmm. And as I said, it was all grown over with vegetation, yeah. 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 Beautiful house. And now, this is a picture of Overton House, Mm. where the Hunkerfords called St. Brindis. Yeah. Yeah. William property was next to the car more. He married secretly to a pretty widow, Margaret Wolfe Hamilton, of Meline. Meline property was next door to Carmore. They married quietly in London and managed to keep it a secret for a year. They had three children, Vera, Tom and Henry. Mrs. Margaret Wolfe Hunkerford, 1855, she was born in 1855 and she died in 1897. Mm-hmm was the eldest daughter of Canon Fitzjohn Stannis Hamilton, Vicar Corl of Ross. Wow, there's your connection now with the church? Yes. The Hamiltons had a lease of Meline from the Hunkerfords. Margaret Wolfe Hamilton was born in 1855. At the age of 21, she first married Edward Argles, a Dublin solicitor, by whom she had three daughters, Daisy, Rain and Elsie. Her husband died in Canada when her eldest child, Daisy, was about six years old. Mm-hmm. She returned to Meline, where we're standing, from Dublin, where she met Henry Hunkerford, 
who lived at Cahermore. After their secret marriage in London, they lived in Meline. That's here. Amazing. So it's, that's, yeah. that's amazing how the connection now between Meline and Cahermore and the two families. Yeah, exactly, oh. exactly. But as I say, she wasn't accepted by the Hunkerfords. Yeah. Because she was a widow woman, obviously. Yeah, yeah. And hence, then she was. Uh, it was only in her death when she was buried in the precisely. Vault, yeah. So it's well, all she, connecting now, Michael. But she had become a wealthy lady, you see. By yeah. the time uh, she died, yeah. she had made a lot, a lot of money out of her books. Mm. So that helps. That helps. It? it helps. <laughs> <laughs> the walls now on the both sides of the road here. We're driving up now again up north from of Roscarbury, and we're two walls on either side. Tell me about them, Michael. They were built around the famine or before the famine yes and the men who built these walls they were wearing no shoes yeah and a penny a day they were earning wow and when the walls were built they were also plastered you can yeah. see the plastering oh yes the walls were plastered with which is very unusual you you, uh, you never really tend to see those walls with any plaster on them those kind of the, uh, these walls were walls. plastered yeah. all the ways down along you could see little traces of the plaster on the walls wow. now these are the pillars yeah now there was a drive going in there mm -hmm. and it was winding. Yeah. Do you remember this in your youth? I did. When I was going to know? school now I remember the drive. Yeah. There were loads of rhododendrons yeah. growing in along. I suppose you call that the lawn. Yeah. And also it, at the, in the spring of the year to be all daffodils. Mm. The daffodils were growing wild all over the land. Yes. All over the lawn here. Between the daffodils and the rhododendrons and the drive was sea gravel. And it was very nice. And there was also a lodge. I remember a man by the name of Bob Draper living there in the lodge. Okay. Is that lodge there anymore? No. The lodge was dismantled because the O'Regan family owned the place. Mm -hmm. And you should have to pay rates. Mm -hmm. So in order to avoid the rates, they dismantled the lodge. Mm -hmm. There was no tourism in those days. You couldn't let it. Yeah, yeah. So that's the history of that bit. We'll walk in above now. Great. Now, so, Michael, you're after take. We're having another stop now. We're after going. We're actually near across from your house. Yes. Now this is the back lodge going to Camor House. Okay. This is the back lodge, and that was um. That was the back. That that was the back lodge there. Yes. The last family. That lived in that back lodge, there was a husband and a wife and four or five children. They worked in the estate. Mm -hmm. Their eldest daughter went to America, I think she went to Boston, at the age of 15. Okay. Went on her own. Wow. And she was lucky. She got a job in a big house owned by a Jewish couple. Mm -hmm. A Jewish couple had no family. And she got a job in the big house over. And she made enough money and sent it home to take the rest of the family out to Boston. It's amazing. Imagine, I mean, for our listeners again, this this um, stone, small, tiny stone building, and imagine that they made it to Boston, they all got out of it. Well, the girl went first. Yeah. She made money in Boston. Oh, yes, that was a bit of luck. She got a bit of luck, got lucky as well, because the Jewish man, he died, and he left her a good bit of money in his will. Oh, very good. So that money, she sent home, and the whole family went to Boston. And Michael, we're walking down now along a sizable wall. It's probably about six foot high, seven foot maybe in some places. Um, this is the border of the Cahermore house? Or? No, just inside this wall is the orchard. Okay. This is where the, this is the Walden Garden. I, we'll come into that later. Fantastic. But um, this, this, what, what, what was said was that these high walls were built to keep out the spalpines. 
<laughs> they need to fire a shot on as a small pins. Yeah, yeah. And they are significantly high. Well, you see, the top has even gone off of them. Like, they were probably higher. These walls date back, I suppose, to the 1600s when the hunker first came. So they're very defensive kind of walls, really. Well, they keep they? out the, the orchards, you yeah. see, for protection. Yes. Because we'll, in the 1600s, it was a dangerous the, time. It was, and the landlord wanted to protect his family, so yeah. the children would be allowed to play in the orchard. Yeah, yeah. So, uh, but of course, what did that say to the ordinary people? Look at us, we're in here, <laughs> thou shalt not enter. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know now they're field stones, like they're ordinary stones. So what do you, explain that to our listeners, Michael. You're yeah. on about, they're, they're not cut stones. What type no. of stones are they? They're ordinary stones that you'd pick up off the field. Yeah. Whereas more modern, like Castle Freak, the stones were cut stone. Yeah. They were cut by deliberately for yeah, to with, make a wall. With a hammer and chisel. Yeah. Straight edges. Yeah. To build a wall. But these were on just ordinary field stones. So you can date a wall by, by looking at that. The older it. ones are ordinary field stone, whereas the more modern ones we can see over here now where we see the back of this house. I'll explain how the stone is cut. Okay, we're well, looking at a huge piece of wall, Michael. That's probably 12 foot high there. Well, it was all that height. Only yeah. from time to time, pieces came off the top. Yes. The whole lot of the wall all around the orchard was 12 feet high. Now, as I said, the stone is of rough. That is a sign that this is very old. Mm -hmm. The stone is that cut stone. The first house here now in the yard was an old flax mill. It okay. was built on a later, I'd say it was built around the 1800s. And it is all cut stone. And... Quite well, a significant be. building, Michael. It's quite quite large, isn't well, it? Well, no, it was taller than that. Yes. It was a flax mill driven by water. And you could see, by the way, the stone. And it was pointed with lime mortar. Whereas the the wall around the orchard was pointed with earth. Okay. So this is a lot more modern building. Yeah. This was a flax mill. So, Michael, it's a stri significant structure. Did, did, was there much employment with this mill? There was 25 people full-time working in Carmore between women in the house there was the dairy maid who was Kately Han there was the laundry lady she was Bridgie Hayes uh, and there was Lord Moore but mm -hmm. there was 25 full-time workers mm. now every time the carriage would go up and down the driveway there was a man full-time raking the gravel when the carriage would go down he'd have to go away raking mm. when the Hunkerford was a justice of the peace he was a judge mm -hmm. And he'd visit Rascarbury nearly every day. So the, there was one man full-time raking the gravel. Oh, amazing. Yeah. Now, this was the old house here. Yeah. Uh, wow. When the Hunkerfords first came here in 1680, Yes. this was the house they lived in. Okay. And they lived in that house until they built the new house out down in the field. And for our listeners, to look at that house, you would never think uh, people uh, of the upper classes would live in it. It's not significantly big. Uh, I know it's overgrown now with trees and stuff. Yes. And this was the backyard. Okay. You can see there now it is... Um, it is well overgrown now, isn't ah, it? Shut it gone to talk. Oh, but as we go in the back now, Michael, I can see it getting bigger there now. All right, yeah, yes. It yeah. definitely ha is more substantial when you come back Oh, it is there. a bigger yes, house, yes. yes. Yeah. Yes, And I the arches now. there go in. Oh, yeah. It's a shame that it's overgrown because of some beautiful architectural... Um, Exactly, and this was all walled in, as you can see. Wow. Now, over there, there was a gate going across yeah. that wall, going to the orchard. So their children were protected. Oh, I see. And so this was the original one that they, put, that they built when they first got here. 1680, this was built. Amazing. 
And when they were living here, they had 12,000 acres of land. Wow, 12,000 acres. Yeah. yeah. Now, of course, you said they eventually moved out to a bigger residence, yes. and that was the one that was burnt. The bigger residence was burnt. Yes. That was built in 1830, and was burned in 1921 by Tommy Barry and the IRA. Yes. But it was gone into ruin state by the time... Well, it wasn't gone into ruin, like it was... But it wasn't as... The uh, furniture was all gone. Yes, it wasn't used as a dwelling. No, because it was idle from 1905 yeah. to yes. 1921. Yeah. So now this is a part of the original. And as we walk around it, actually, listeners, <coughs> you do begin to realise the sizable size of it. I think from the vegetation, when I first looked at it, it didn't look uh, that significant. But no, it's quite a big, big house, a big actually, house, isn't yes. it? Yes. It's a big house. The east side now was where the horses... Used to be st- that was the stable in the east side. Yeah. There used to be always about six horses. And uh, the carriage house then was there in the yard. Wow. Amazing. So this is the front. Now this was all gravel and it was lovely. Yeah. And the drive was going down there just below. Mm-hmm. And there was always a person living there and that opened and closed the gates again. Okay. So another kind of lodge house. Yeah. That is fantastic. Now... And, and Michael, the, the, there's, there's no trace of, of the later house. I can't understand. There's not a brick. No, because after it was born in 1921, when Ireland got its free state, they built houses in the Mill Road, Rascabre. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And they came up and they dismantled the walls of Carmore House and threw the stones down to Ross, down to build these houses in the Mill Road. They threw down their stones with horses and cars. Amazing. Yeah. That's what happened to it. That's what happened. And the houses are still standing in Roscarbo. Oh. Yeah. Go on, Michael. It must be very fulfilling for the workers to be taking the, dismantling the landlord's house and building county council houses in Roscarbo. <laughs> it must give them great fulfilment. <laughs> right, you've, we've walked out right out into the field, disturbed yes. a few calves there, of course. Yeah. We're standing now exactly where the big house was, once was. Yeah. This is part of the foundation. Oh my God! Now this was a three-story house, and all. Uh, and just for our listeners, we're just looking at maybe only three or four um, stones, slab stones in the ground. That's all. Yes. And this was a ho- well, how many stories was in three. this house? There was the basement for where the cooking was done. Yeah. And then there was two stories over over that. Wow. So this was the. So as you know, before the trees grew, there was a nice view of the bay and the harbour. Wow! So a, a beautiful place. This to was have a your very house. very big house. Yeah. But, uh, and you can see walls all around there, Michael. Yeah, there's walls all around. Yeah, yeah. Now the drive, the drive for this house, the carriage, and the, that was it, where the where the gap is there. Yeah. It was going over there, and it was winding down, and the big gates are just below that cottage there. Okay. Okay. And that was all the lawn, they wow. call it. And it's amazing because, listeners, if you were to be here now. And you didn't wouldn't have Michael next to you. There's no idea in the world to show to indicate that there could be a drive there because we're just doing a fields and a ditch, trees, and then out to the yeah, road. Yeah, yeah. But um, so it's amazing how in time history can be forgotten, Michael. Well, definitely, how, yeah. definitely. And I'm only touchy on the edges of it. Yeah. I suppose the people that walked here could write a book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because they what they've seen and there's no doubt there was a lot of stories. Yeah. There was a well just back of the house there. It was known as Fanny's Well. Yeah. I think it was called after one of Hockerford's daughters. Yeah. She was supposed to be very kind to the workers. She used to bring them home tobacco from Rascabra if she go. God. So, uh, as we're walking across the field, how many acres here now, Michael? 75 acres 75 just left. Just left. This yeah. was a part of the manor farm. Okay. 
Okay. But this was fact. once extending up the rainy screen, which was 11, uh, 12,000 acres. Oh. But when Hunkerford got poor, yeah. a lot of the land was privatised. The tenants took it over and they gave Hunkerford some, Henry Hunkerford, they gave him some few bob for the land. They kind of partly yeah. bought it. So and you said it was 12,000 acres, so all the way north of Arena Screena, and how far south, down here? Carmore Cross. Carmore Cross, that was the bo- boundary, so? Yeah, all okay. the way back up to Arena Street. Right, OK. And yeah. how far east and west, Michael? Well, it would be the town land of Carmore. OK, yeah. OK. But before, how the hunker first came here was, this land was owned by the bishop, the Protestant Bishop of Cork. Mm-hmm. He was a Bishop Singh. Mm. Now, Bishop Singh... He had two daughters. One married Brian Townsend of Castle Townsend. Yes. And his other daughter got this farm. Like what the bishop owned it. Okay, okay. So when Bishop Singh's daughter married Hunkerford, he kind of came in what we call cleanest stock. He came in here, married into the farm. Mm. So then time went by and he became the owner. Mm. But it was originally owned by the bishop. All right, okay. Yeah. Okay. Even though the last Hunkerford lady that died some years ago, she was 96 years old. In her old age, she was still talking about the lovely times that she had playing in the fairy ring in the orchard in Carmore. Well, now the, what the fairy ring is, before this orchard was ever built, there was a fairy fort. Yes. So the fort is in the fair middle of this orchard. Wow. So the fort is over there. So even though Vera Hunkerford out in Canada, when she was dying, she was still talking about the fairy ring. Wow, in this very spot? In this very, it is over there. Yeah. That's where, but okay. uh, she had lovely memories of Carmore. Yeah. But when her two daughters, and Conrad and Peggy Shirley died, their son brought home the ashes of the two ladies, and their ashes were scattered in the fairy ring. Yeah. Because they were used to their mother reminiscing so much about the lovely time she had in Carmore playing in the fairy ring. Oh. So her two daughters' ashes are scattered here in the fairy ring. It's a lovely story. Yeah. Lovely story. So we can walk over here and know where the fairy ring is. Now, there's a, there is a little house there. Okay. There was a, a little house for potting plants. Fantastic. The hunkerfords just do a lot of flowers. And yeah. that, if you looked at the floor of that now, you'd see all broken little... Parts of pottery. Of pottery. Yeah. And then this here, Michael, what's this now? Well, this dates back, way, like the Hunkerfords came here in 1680. Yes. Like this fort probably go back 2,000 years. Amazing. These forts go back to the time of our Lord. So for our listeners, we're actually in a, a quite sizable ring fort here. Yes, yes. It's very wide, of course, overgrown with trees now. Yes. So one day, Western the Yard, Hunkerford ordered his men to come over and knock the fort, yeah. that he wanted to level it out. So the men said to Hunkerford, they wouldn't touch the fort because it's bad luck to go near a, f- a ring fort. Mm. So what they said to him, well, he threatened to sack them then. So they said to Hunkerford, if you will come over with us and knock the first few shovels of earth from the ring fort, we'll continue then. So Hunkerford wouldn't do it. Mm. So the whole project fell through, so the fort is still standing. So he believed in the superstitions himself he, after he, all? He did, yeah. he did. He got afraid then, yeah. when himself was asked to, to do, to do yeah. the first few. So he'd have nothing to do with... And Michael, they often say from a ring fort you can see seven others now. I you know can. Most of them are well, I'd say you could see because 12, at least 12 of them from here. Wow. 
You see, there was one big one up on top of the hill. It's a massive, actually, isn't massive it? Massive one. Yeah, yeah. But from down the valley then, there's about 12 different forts. Yes. But I inquired into it, why so many forts in this locality? And they said, well, there was good land. The people tended to build their forts. Forts were only actually places where people lived. Yeah. And where the good land was, they, they built forts and they lived just like farm families. Yes. And they, they probably kept some of their cattle and, and the cattle around here They well? did, because these, there was those fences built, like those sticks driven into the ground, yeah. and it was all fenced off. So. Now, just up here, it was here now, and Conrad's and Peggy Shirley's ashes were scattered. Just here now. The man arrived in Trascabry one day. I never expected him to come. I got a phone call about 10 o'clock in the morning. Yes. yes. And the man said, I'm Tom, Sh uh, I'm Tom Shirley. Oh, I said, hello, Tom, and how are you? He said, could I meet you? So I said, fine, Tom. So I went down to Rascarbury, and I met him in the square. And he had a suitcase in one hand, and he had a bag, a big shopping bag in the other hand. And he said, he says, I'm on a mission. This is Anne Conrad, he said, and this is Peggy Shirley's ashes. And I want to scatter the ashes in the fort. He never had been here before. Amazing. So I died directed him up and he opened his case and he opened it and scattered the ashes here. And that was part of the will that this man had to come over? It was the will. And and, and you'd never met him or heard, heard I about him? I knew, uh, and Conrad and Peggy Shirley had visited us here. Okay. And there were two lovely ladies, but when they got old, then about 10 or 15 years later, yeah. when they died, they wished that the ashes be brought back here and the ashes are scattered here. Beautiful. Yeah. Absolutely beautiful. So there's still, the ashes are there. Yeah. So that's my story. I think that's about the last.